Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to today's um, service again, and what a mighty work God is already doing in us through our worship. And may that mighty work continue as we listen to the words of this today's sermon. And the title of today's sermon is Friendship and Forgiveness. And the scripture text is Matthew 18, 19-35. Let's begin with the story. After his wife of 44 years died, he didn't know how to feel, and he didn't feel the urge to socialize. But that didn't stop his friend Tony from inviting him to join a group of guys who got together every Thursday for dinner. The man told him he wasn't ready for that. He called again the next week, and again he said no. And the friend kept calling him every single week, and finally he said, okay, I'll go. Anything to keep you from calling me every single week. It's now been six years since his wife died, and thanks to his friend Tony, David has been going to dinner every week with a gang that they've named themselves Romeo, retired old men eating out. <laughs> That was from David Fenwick, Ocean Township, New Jersey. And that was a story of friendship that I found online. I found many stories of friendship, but that one stuck out to me. Because I thought it was great to see that persistence that that other friend had, calling the other friend every week, inviting him to come to their dinner. And today we're going to end the series on those changes that have been happening in this world over the last few, two years. And the series um, introduction is this, something has changed. The world's acting strange these days. And this was from the ad from the online TV, TV series that Pastor Mark found while he was recovering from COVID and flipping through channels. Something has changed and the world's acting strange. And we're looking in the book of Matthew to find the description of Jesus' life mission, which is they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The world has changed and it's acting strange, but we are not alone. The best thing of all is that God is with us. And I want us to remember that God is with us right now, in this room, next to you, above you, behind you, in front of you, I don't know, however you want to sense his presence, but he's here. And today's questions from this passage that I want to answer and I want to go through are, what is friendship? What does scripture say about friendship? And then we'll go dive deeper into something a little more difficult to talk about. What is forgiveness? What does scripture say about forgiveness? And above all, what are Christians called to do? Friendship. Now remember that story, that persistence of a friend to invite the lowly man into his group of friends is the kind of attitude that we need to have when we have friends. If we have a group that we belong to, like our church, or another fun, fun thing that we do, church can be fun sometimes, but it's not necessarily as fun as like bowling or axe throwing or playing cards or what have you, when you get together with a group of people. 
I know, Wesley and Zane playing cards. Times have changed. But anyway, we, need, we must be persistent in our pursuit of connecting and including others into our lives. And maybe we love watching TV, and there's a certain show that we think that someone else would like. So we like, you know, we send them a link to it or um, online, or we say, go turn to that channel at this time if you don't have a streaming service. And we invite them to watch it. And they may, may be reluctant at first, like me. I'm reluctant to watch a lot of the TV shows that Katie and her friends watch. <laughs> but I end up sitting on the couch or kind of like standing, looking at the TV. And I find myself moving closer and closer. And then I sit down and I end up watching and commenting and getting into it and stuff like that. But it helped me get closer with her friends as well. Because we have something in common to talk about. Other than the fact that we know the same person. And we must remember that example that Christ gave us when he was here on this earth. Christ always made room at the table for people to join him. And we should too. We should always make room for our table for people to join us. But what does friendship mean though? I asked the question online and I got a couple responses. And I'll include my response as well. Friendship defined. A companionship that provides support, encouragement, and levity in a relationship. Friendship is being in someone's corner, cheering them on and helping them stand back up when they get knocked down. And friendship is also a mutual liking of one another, so much so that you decide to make them a part of your life. Now you can't choose family, but you can choose your friends. So that's what I like to think of. I, I like to think that you can choose your friends. Sometimes you choose your friends over your family, which is which happens sometimes. But I think that it's a good thing that we can we have the ability to choose different people from different walks of life to add into our lives, to add to the richness that God has given us. What does scripture say? Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend is always loyal. And a brother is born to help in time of need. John 15, 13 says, and this is a big one, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus exemplified this verse. In a Proverbs, in 18, verse 24, it says, there are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. And that's what we call nowadays frenemies. Friends who are enemies at the same time. It's like a weird competition. You know each other, you kind of like each other sometimes, but most of the time it's very bad and not very good. But a real friend sticks closer than a brother. And in Proverbs 27, 9, Scripture tells us that a heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. So sometimes our friends are the ones who give us advice and give us guidance in our lives. And that can be a sweet perfume. I mean, it may come across as a stink to us at first, but then we realize it's a sweet perfume, that what they're telling us is true, and notice is good for us. And I just want to ask us to think about this. How many of us 
have good friendships. You know how do you have good <laughs> daughter's raising her hand? <laughs> good friendships. How many of us have bad friendships? Or we should probably cut ties with those people, but we have too much history there and we may not want to. Have you ever had bad friendships? What happened? How did you recover from that? Because I've seen friends come and go, not for like bad reasons, but just I lost contact with them or whatever, and it feels bad because you're like, oh, you want to reach out to that person, or you see them on social media and you want to say something, but you're like, we're not really friends anymore, so I don't really want to talk to them. Or maybe it's like really bad, like you were really close friends and then someone betrayed someone and something happened. You know, what do you do in those situations? How do you recover? And what type of friendships do you have? Well, I found that there are different types of friendships, different levels. Acquaintances, people that you see every now and again that you kind of are pleasant to. You know, you'll see them in the grocery store, like maybe the cashier, or maybe a fellow patron who's there at the same time buying the same amount of groceries as you. Or maybe they're social media friends. Maybe they're people that you friended on Facebook because you guys like similar things, and you're like, why not? We'll be friends. Maybe you've met, maybe you haven't met. I know in my case, I have met a lot of most of my social media friends, but some of them I haven't at all in person. I've talked to them even online, but never met them in person. So it's, it's odd in this day and age that we can connect with someone through a computer or a phone or whatever, but then not actually ever meet them in person, because that opportunity may never present itself. Because you live, you know, 3,000 miles away, or you live in another state, and it's winter, and you don't want to move. <laughs> I don't know. <clears throat> but then we have larger friend groups. You know, people that we have, we have lots of friends in this friend group. There's lots of people that are like, you know, maybe you're friends with a person, but they're married, so you're friends with their spouse kind of too, and so on. So there's just like a lot of people in a large friend group. And then there's the small friend group. The people that you're really close to, that you've known for a long time, that you've gotten to know, that you do things with, that you go on outings with, that kind of thing. You may even go on vacation with them. I don't know. But then you have your best friend or your best friends, depending on how you view what a best friend is. Those people are the ones in your inner circle. Those are the ones that are really close to you, that really get you, that you get them, and it's a great time. Well, what happens when those things turn sour? What happens when you lose those friendships and you either feel alone or betrayed or you just feel like it's really hard to get through it? What do you do? you keep holding on to that hurt? Do you keep holding on to that pain? Well, I'm here today to talk to you about forgiveness. And forgiveness is being able to say to this hurt or that this is wrong and you make those things right and not hold it against that person. 
Forgiveness, an action of varying levels of difficulty that mostly benefits the forgiving party. Forgiveness is not only for your benefit, but it paves the way for an even more difficult task, reconciliation and peace. Forgiveness as a Christian. This morning our passage takes us into the heart of one of the most difficult issues any of us have to face, and that is the issue of forgiveness. Forgiveness is at the very heart of what it means to be a Christian. If you were to dissect a Christian, you would find forgiveness right at the center. It is part of our core, our DNA. It's what makes us who we are. Christians are forgiven sinners and are called and even commanded by God himself to extend that same forgiveness that he gave us to those whom they may perceive to have for sinned against them. And man, do we serve a forgiving God. Scripture tells us in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And in Psalms 103.12, which is the basis of one of my favorite songs growing up from Casting Crowns, East to West, it reminds us that God will take away our sin as far as the East is from the West, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And forgiveness is first and foremost a God-given grace. And forgiveness is the one of the vital keys to the entire Christian experience. Forgiveness is the hallmark of the body of Christ. And remember, both saved and unsaved people at times have difficulties with forgiveness. It's not something that we easily do. Being forgiven and granting forgiveness. And Alexander Pope famously spoke this truth when he said, to err is human and to forgive is divine. Difficulty in forgiving. If forgiveness were easy, then we would be way more willing to let it go and forgive ourselves and others. It's just not that easy. You can't just let things go and move on. Forgiving one another is tied to loving others. Because when we think about it, when we hold on to those hurts and those pains, it's a form of not loving someone. Because we are keeping records of wrongs and tend to be more selfish and cannot let go of the pain and hurt that has happened from others or even from ourselves. We end up finding ourselves elevating our pain and our hurt above freedom, relief, and happiness. However, this may be unintentional. We are only human. Forgiveness is hard. We as humans cannot forgive someone else, or even ourselves, for causing pain or heartache without a major renovation to our hearts and our thoughts and our ways of life. Many of us tend to focus on the negative and the things that do not sit well with us, more than the positive and good things that happen to us. God desires for us to forgive one another and ourselves so that his love and mercy can flow from him through us into this world. Well, let's get into that scripture passage. In the beginning of Matthew 18, 19 through 35, 
The first two verses are this. I also tell you this. If two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For whether two or three are gathering together as my followers, I am there among them. This is what I mean when I talk about friendship, especially friendship among, amongst Christians. When we get together and we worship, when we get together and we pray, when we get together and even have fun, Jesus is there with us, helping us to shine our light to this world, helping us to be those people that he wants us to be. Where two or three are gathered as my followers, I am there among them. And this is Jesus speaking. Sorry, my mouth is very dry this morning. And then we're going to move on to verses 21 through 35. And this is when we talk about forgiveness. And there's a parable here that Jesus shares. So, some, okay, so we don't know how much time passed between verse 20 and verse 21. Could have been the same conversation, could have been the next day, could have been the next week. Not really sure. We don't really get too much time increments um, in Scripture for things. But Matthew wrote these things together, so they must be connected in some way. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied. Seventy times seven. There's another song out there, too, in the uh, Christian world called Seven Times, Seventy Times. Um, it's by Chris August, I believe. Um, and he's a, he's a really cool uh, artist. If you listen to him, he has a few other songs out there. He was actually once a backup singer for Ashley Simpson, which is Jessica Simpson's little sister. So, there's a little tidbit that you... Now you know. The more you know. But let's get on with the parable that Jesus is about to present. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven, so this is when Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, and kind of placing us into this now slash futuristic place where the kingdom of heaven is here. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with his servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was, who was brought to him owed him millions of dollars. In those days, it was 10,000 plus talents, or like many years of wages. So this man owed him many years of wages. And if you count for inflation, apparently it's millions of dollars. So if you can imagine borrowing from a bank millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars and the interest keeps growing and you don't pay it back until it's millions of dollars, this is where you are. Just put yourself in this servant's man's shoes. Like it's a lot of money. That's a lot of zeros. That's a lot of numbers. Just imagine it. He couldn't pay. Well, of course he couldn't. That's a lot of money. That's years of wages. So his master ordered him, ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything that he owned to pay his debt. He was going to sell him off, him and his whole household, everything. They could do that in those days. They could sell the people off and move on, 
so those debts would be paid. But that man fell down to his knees before his master and begged him, Please be patient with me, and I will pay it all. But his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him to forgive his debt. What a king. How nice. Could you imagine if your bank was like, It's okay, we'll take care of it. We'll get through it. You don't have to pay that back. Can you imagine? Like, can you imagine that happening? Like, really? Like, no, not, no. Not today, not in this day and age. Not with the economy the way it is. No, they're not gonna say, you don't have to pay that back. But this king did. So who is this king like? And the Sunday school answer. God, Jesus, yeah, there you go. So we have to remember that God does this for us. He does this big, big thing for us. But when that man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him just a few thousand dollars. So millions of dollars? A few thousand dollars. It's not a lot, but not a lot in comparison to each other. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me, and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. We'll talk about that. We'll finish the story, and then we'll talk about what just happened. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. What did that man do? He went from being forgiven a lot so going to someone else who had wronged him in some way, in this case, owed him lots of money, and then said, no, I won't forgive you. You owe me what you owe me. I won't let this go. You do not think that the king was going to hear about that? How did he think that this was going to fly? That this was going to be okay? And in the same way, we have to treat each other better than what we've been given. We cannot hold on to hurt and pain so much so that God is like, angry with us for doing that. Verse 35 says, That's what my Heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. If someone is wrong to you, if someone has done something to you, you've got to forgive them. You've got to let it go. You've got to let God take control of that situation. Because You've been forgiven much. You've been forgiven all. 
And if you know that, and you live like that, then the people around you are going to be forgiven and feel that freedom just as well. But if you don't live like that, and yet you still claim to be forgiven and set free, like in 1 John, it says that you're a liar, and you're not living in the light. I read that this week, and I'm like, ooh, what a harsh statement. Scripture, I don't like you sometimes. But it's true. And I'm going to be honest, I struggled for a long time to forgive certain people for certain things because I thought, well, they should have been better than that. They should have known what to do and done it right. Instead, they chose to do it wrong. And if you know me, my innate nature is this is very right, this is very wrong. And there is no in-between, and there is a very stark, dark line to which one side leads to the other. But God has worked in through me and said, you must forgive, you must let go, you must blur that line, and let room in for grace and mercy. Same grace and mercy that I extended to you, you must extend to others. We cannot live this life bottled up and hold, held up with anger and frustration and hurt and pain between us. Because, and this is today's sermon in a sentence, forgiveness is key to long-lasting relationships and core to our new DNA as Christians. We cannot have good relationships with other people if forgiveness is not there. We cannot have a good friendship with people if we can't let go of the things that happen to us and move on. And it's core to our DNA, just as I mentioned earlier. And I'm going to explain a little bit more now. When we become Christians, and our initial surrender to the Lordship of Jesus in our lives, we allow the Holy Spirit to enter into our lives. We allow this to happen. We said, this is the gift of salvation. I'm going to unwrap it, and I'm going to open it, and I'm going to surrender. I'm going to do what God has asked me to do. And we let the Holy Spirit into our lives. And what does the Holy Spirit do? Why the Spirit moves in and through our lives to empower us to change, to become more and more like Jesus. And then God is in our lives. And God makes those changes to us at the core level, at our DNA. And what's the evidence of this? Well, God heals diseases, breaks addictions, and changes thought processes. He changes how we are wired initially. Because God may have formed us into this in our womb, but sin still there and gets in the way and changes things of how he wanted us to be. And so he still wants us to be this way that he designed us in this perfect world. So he's got, we've got to allow him to change our DNA we got to allow him to change what's inside of us so that what comes out of us is good and holy. 
And forgiveness is key. Forgiveness is one of the keys to improving our lives, becoming more and more like Jesus. Jesus forgave us when he died on the cross. And forgiveness is key to our long-lasting relationships and core to our new DNA as Christians. Remember that. And we must walk in grace and mercy, just as God gives us grace and mercy every single day. We cannot walk around unchanged and damaged people anymore. We have Jesus. We can't walk around sad and tired and confused and broken and hurt. We have Jesus. Now we may feel those way things sometimes and may get us down. But we have Jesus. We have the joy. We have the peace. We have the awesomeness that he is in our lives. And through the life and example of Jesus, we can thus model ourselves to him. We can move like Jesus moved. We can walk like Jesus walked. We can talk like Jesus talked. We can heal like Jesus healed. We can live like Jesus lived. But forgiveness is key to those friendships, to those long-lasting relationships. Like some of you have been married for a long time, you gotta forgive one another. Because sometimes we do stupid things, either on purpose or an accident, and we gotta forgive each other for doing those things. Katie and I have been married almost 10 years, and let me tell you, we've had to forgive each other. We have. Never, she says. She's joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, those first, the first year was hard, second year was hard, the third year was hard, and then it got better. But we got children, so that became hard. Uh, it wasn't hard necessarily, like, her and I, we were a team, but then we had someone else who was, like, not on our team. <laughs> um, so we had to learn to do that. And even as parents with children, there must be forgiveness there, too. Now, I know it's hard to believe, but parents, we are not always right in the way that we handle things. I know. That may be the most meddling I've done today. Dug in real deep. You are not always right as a parent. Even though you feel that way, even though it may have been done that way for you with your parents. But every child is different. Every child has a different way of interpreting what's going on. Every child says, I want you to love me for me. And so we must exemplify that as God has exemplified that to us and loves us for who we are and loves us for who we will be. Forgiveness is key to those long-lasting relationships core to our DNA as Christians is who the, we want to be. 
We want to be a forgiving people. We want those channels to be opened. We want those lines of communication to be there. We want to be a forgiving people. So, on a Sunday evening, well, actually, the first Sunday evening after Jesus rose from the dead, his disciples had gathered together in a room and locked the doors because it was scary outside. People were probably going to try to kill them. I mean, they just killed Jesus. Then Jesus had the audacity to show up. Locked doors and all. Uninvited. I mean, who invites a dead person to a hideout? <laughs> They'd heard the stories from the women, but who listens to the women? Don't answer that, ladies. <laughs> it was worse even then, 2,000 years ago. But there he was, standing in the middle of the room. Blowing their minds. Whether you realize it or not, whether you recognize it or not, he's standing in the middle of the room this morning. With you at home, with us here, he's standing in the room. He's doing for us exactly what he did for them. He breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Peace. As my Father sent me, I'm sending you. So, folks, he's here to receive his spirit and the peace that only he can give and go with him wherever it is you go. Take him with you.
Watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it.